I believe that the Lord has come with somebody in mind today. We did not just gather together in hopes that everybody would be here. But you and I are here by divine appointment from the Lord. There are those we wish that were here. Lord willing, they'll be here tonight or Wednesday or next Sunday. But it's not an accident that you and I are here. And what has just swept into this house is an indicator of what God is wanting to do for somebody. It's an indicator of what he's wanting to do for somebody that's on the verge of giving up on everything you know is right. Because how you thought life would end up, it hasn't ended up that way for you. And Brother Mullins, we could be in his arms. We could be protected in his arms. And Brother Tracy, everything around us be falling apart. We can be right in the arms of a loving Savior. And that doesn't block life from happening to you and I. And so we've got churches that are full of people that are in the right place at the right time. But they're trailing behind them baggage and broken dreams and hurts and betrayals and rejections. Life, Elder Monks, wasn't supposed to end up this way. I'm faithful, Pastor Mullins. I'm doing everything I know to do that's right. But, but, but why? 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 And we've got, we've got faithful people. And I'm not, I'm not over-spiritualizing and I'm not overplaying the sickness that's hit this church again. I've been here long enough. You know I'm not a weirdo, I don't think. But it's not by accident that almost a year to the date it's hit this church again. Some of us thought for sure we'd never have to deal with it again. And some of us slid back into complacency, Brother Les. And we slid back into our little routine of Pentecostal professionalism that we do. And we're so good at it. And I believe God is getting our attention one more time. Saying, hey, you're here. You're in my arms. You're in the right place, but there's more. God is not desirous for us to live in his arms, permanently frustrated at life. And some of us are so hung up, Brother Bryson, on the frustrations that we're carrying. God, I give my tithes. I give my offering. I'm faithful to the house of God. I do outreach. I do, I do everything I can do. And it's almost like I have to bury the hurt and the frustration under my performance of being apostolic. I have to bury, elder monks, the realness of life. Come to church and raise my hands. And nobody knows what I'm carrying. Nobody knows the thoughts at night some of us had last night. Thoughts of giving up. Thoughts of throwing in the towel. Thoughts of walking away on everything we know is right. It's not because we're bad people. It's not because we want to quit. 
It's not because we want to give up. But there's something in us that says, I, how can I be in the right place and my life be so messed up? The Holy Ghost has come for you today. The Holy Ghost has come to reach for the one that feels like life is overwhelming. The writer said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me. Come on, we're being led to the place this morning where the Holy Ghost can work on our behalf. We're being led right to the place where all the hurts and all the questions and all the frustrations where God can put it in his arms. I feel protected in his arms. I'm never disconnected. Come on. He's come to wrap us up again one more time and not just to put a band-aid on it, but he wants to heal every broken part. Psalm chapter 78, verse number 41. So thankful for the opportunity to be here today. We appreciate Pastor and Sister Molling so much. They have literally become lifelong friends, and it feels like we've known them that long, but I'm thankful for Holy Ghost Connections. And Apostolic Rock Church is blessed to have this family. Glad my wife and my children are with me. I always preach better when she's around. Because <laughs> mama will be honest with you if you do bad when you get in the truck. You'll know, you'll know by the look on the face how you did once you get in that truck. But I'm so glad she's here. love her very much. I'm excited about what God's going to do today. God is going to do great things. And let me say this. I don't know that I've ever done this, but... If you would, if you would help me out tonight by, I believe God's going to do something great this morning, but I believe there's destiny on this service tonight. And I'm asking you, do me a big favor. Look around and see who's not here. That is a part of this church. Send them a text. Give them a call. If they're physically able to, ask them to get here. Because I believe God's going to do something for this family, for this body tonight that will forever change the destiny of this church. And we don't want anybody to miss out on what God's going to do. Psalm chapter 78, verse number 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God. And let me stop and say this. This is not the time to turn back. There's too many people turning back. Going back to old addictions, going back to old relationships, going back to old habits. Too many people turning back, but we've got to keep our focus and our attention on him. They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Put your Bible down and raise your hands in the air one more time. And as apostolics can do, would you ask the Lord to help us. Would you raise your voice in prayer, in faith that God's going to speak to us this morning. Have your way, mighty God. Clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph.
God bless you. You may be seated. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, we know that God has all power. We know that. We, we believe that. But as human beings holding situations in our hands that life has dealt us, it's easy for us, Pastor Mullings, to look at the situation knowing that God has all power, but holding something in our hands that should not be. We can limit His power by what we're looking at and by what we're holding. I know He can do it for Pastor Mullins and Brother Bryson and Brother Les, but my situation's different. My situation is too traumatic. It's too devastating. It's too broken. And so while I can watch God do it for a church full of people, and we don't even have to verbalize limiting him. We do it by our lack of worship when we come into his presence. Because somebody that believes God can do something, they'll shout in the hallway before the door opens. And shouting in front of a locked, tight, closed door is harder to do than shouting when the door's wide open. So my worship or my lack of worship proves to God that I don't believe he can move on my situation. The Bible says they limited the Holy One of Israel. We limit God to work in ways that only we can perceive that he can work. God, this is what I'm facing. This is the end result. And this is how you need to make it happen. That's not trusting and that's not faith. But that's putting restrictions on an unrestrictable, I don't even know if that's a word, an unrestrictable God. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. And so, sis, when I hand him my situation, I say, God, I'm bringing it to you. This is what I want you to do with it. And he doesn't do it my way. All of a sudden, I come to church the next service, and my worship is non-existent. And I'm staggering. Bible talks about Abraham. He wasn't weak in faith. He staggered not. Sometimes when God doesn't do it how and when and what, what we want, we start to stagger back. And all of a sudden, somebody that was once a worshiper, no matter what life threw their way, we see them begin to limit God because their frustration and how life is not unfolding on their behalf. I've got faith that God can do it. I just don't have faith he can do it for me. Mark 5, chapter number 20, if you'll go very quickly with me. And keep in mind as we move through this, that little scripture, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Israel. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 20, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. 
Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Jairus is expressing great faith in Jesus' ability to heal his daughter. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, spent all she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about him in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest, Who touched me? Are you nuts? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now remember, Jairus was first in line. Jairus got to Jesus before the woman did. He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. When he was coming, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and saith unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. They were astonished with a great astonishment. Go back with me, if you would, to verse number Let's go back to verse number 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? And I've come to preach on this simple thought for the next few moments. I believe the Lord is going to do something great in this house. Trouble the master. Yes. 
one more time. Trouble the master one more time. Jairus comes to Jesus with a dilemma. Nevertheless, he was first in line. He got to Jesus before the woman with the issue of blood. When Jairus comes to Jesus, his daughter is not dead yet, but she is on the doorsteps of dying. And Jairus believed, it's evident in Scripture, by his intensity, that his level of faith in Jesus' ability to heal was no doubt to the place where Jesus would have healed his daughter. But what do you do when Jesus puts you on pause and Jesus allows somebody else's dilemma to jump in front of yours, Brother Tracy, and to cause you to feel like yours is insignificant and your dilemma has no value and your dysfunction isn't big enough to keep my attention. We know what it is to be talking to somebody. And somebody else interrupt you. And somebody turn their attention to say, okay, well, all right, bro, I'll see you next week. It does something to your mind. I believe, Pastor Mullins, that Jesus was testing the faith of Jairus when he put Jairus' dilemma on pause and left him there. In Jairus' mind, if Jesus would just get to his little daughter's room, that quick she would be made whole. He got to Jesus. They started on the journey to the little girl's room. And somebody interrupted Jairus' party. And Jesus put Jairus on hold and turned his attention to somebody else. You talk about feeling forsaken and abandoned. And you talk about feeling insignificant. But Jairus, do you have the ability to trust the master? When he puts you on pause. The daughter wasn't dead yet. There was still hope. But when the servant comes to Jairus. And says your daughter's dead. There's no hope Jairus. All hope of your daughter being healed. Is gone. No doubt the questions in Jairus' mind. And the frustration at the master. For putting him on pause to focus on some other chick who had a problem for so long, she spent every dime she had on it. Jesus, this ain't going anywhere. We can come back to this chick. She'll still be here with her 12-year-old problem. Jairus, do you have faith that when it looks like Jesus has turned his back on you, that he's not given up on you? Your daughter is now dead. Trouble not the master. They said, Jairus, why, why are you? Then that word literally means to harass, Brother Mullins. Why are you? When you harass somebody, there's intensity. There's passion. There's desperation. When you harass somebody, you, you, brother, you want their attention more than you want anything else in the world. And the servants tell him, Jairus, it's over. Why trouble us the master anymore? She's dead. Go home and plan the burial. Because she's dead. What's interesting to me is Jairus and his servants. Woo, daddy, you better be careful what you pump in your home. Because the servants, Brother Tracy, took on the exact form of Jairus.
They had faith Jesus could heal. But they didn't have faith that he could resurrect the little girl. So my struggle with my faith, it's passed down to those in my home. And when my little babies and my wife sees me in, in, in turmoil and in frustration and tragedy, how I respond gets passed to her and to my babies. And pretty soon, the whole house, oh God, you can do this. But we're only limiting you to do this. You can't do this. This is too impossible for even you. And so Jairus has to make the long journey home. At this point, he probably doesn't even want Jesus coming with him. You failed me. You let me down. You put me on pause to deal with some other situation, and I wasn't important enough to you. And that's where some of us are about to hang our hat up on this thing called living for God because we're so frustrated at God for how life has unfolded. And we're frustrated at God and we feel like we've been put on pause and we feel like we've been put on hold and everybody else is getting their answer. Everybody else is getting a husband. Everybody else is getting a new car. Everybody else is getting a healing. And I'm here with the mess and the tragedy and the dysfunction. And the, but Jairus, don't put all your faith in God's ability to heal because God gets more glory when he resurrects a, a dead situation that's completely hopeless why troublous the master anymore Jairus it's over Jairus there's no use Jairus she's dead she's no longer breathing leave it be and go home and get ready for a burial I come to preach to ARC it's not over baby it's not too late I know it looks dead but God's more interested in resurrecting what you think is hopeless Yes, Jesus gets the glory out of a healing. But you let a little girl be raised from the dead in front of this pulpit. You won't have to do any outreach, Brother Tracy. The building will be packed wall to wall next Sunday. I promise you. You won't have to get a new social media page with a cute cliche and a cute little logo. Because when God resurrects, anytime there's resurrection, there's glory that comes. When God takes something that's dead and hopeless and been dead for so long and he resurrects it. Hey, God wants to resurrect some situations in ARC so that he can get the glory. Trouble the master. Harass the master. One more time. Jairus could have told Jesus, don't even bother coming to my house. When's the last time you opened the door of your heart and said, Jesus, I'm frustrated. This isn't how it was supposed to turn out. It wasn't supposed to die. It's, <laughs> it's not nature and it's not life. It's not the way life is supposed to unfold for a 12-year-old girl to die. Some of us are carrying things that died prematurely. Businesses that failed. Marriages that failed. Endeavors that failed. Family dynamics that are blown to smithereens and they look like there's no hope for them and they died prematurely. And God, it's not supposed to unfold this way.
12-year-old girl has got a lot of life to live. Jairus, you're supposed to watch your daughter graduate from high school. You're supposed to take her to the California DMV like the rest of the daddies and watch her get her driver's license. Jairus, you're supposed to be there yelling her name when she graduates high school. And not on Zoom either. That's a bunch of chunk. These kids are getting robbed of cool things because of COVID. Jairus, you're supposed to walk your beautiful daughter down the aisle and watch her get married to the man of her dreams. But Jairus, what you're holding in your hands is now dead. Jairus' life wasn't supposed to. I don't know how old Jairus was, but it's never, it's never normal for a daddy to bury a 12-year-old daughter. So what do you do when you got to Jesus first and there was still hope that the situation could be salvaged? Did Jesus put you on pause? And while you were on pause, your situation died. And some of us, I believe, we have closed off our hearts. Jesus, Brother Tracy, he's standing outside the home. I, I know you wanted me to heal that situation. I know you, I know you didn't want to go through a divorce. I know you weren't supposed to bury your baby. I know you got more questions than I've given you answers. But if you'll open the door and let me in. I'll do something greater than what you had in mind. I'll do it. And when I get done with it, right now it's hopeless. Right now it looks like there's no chance it could ever turn out the way you thought it should. That's because it's going to be better than what you thought it would be. That's because when I resurrect it, it'll be better than you could have ever imagined it could be. Jesus walks in the room and there's weeping and there's wailing. The Bible said they wept and wailed greatly. Imagine what your room would be like with your 12-year-old daughter dead, lying on the bed. When you had the faith, Jesus was going to heal her. Imagine the emotions locked up in a bedroom. With a family looking at a hopeless situation. And Jesus walks in and says, What are you doing? Why are you weeping? Jesus, are you nuts? You were supposed to heal this girl, and now she's dead. And now you're questioning my emotion of why I'm weeping over my daughter dying. Can I stop and tell you? The glory that Jesus would get in your situation if he did it your way is far less than if you'll let God do it his way. Because the glory, the glory that trails your dilemma, 
and your dysfunction and the deadness of your situation will be a testimony and a witness to somebody else that walks through those doors that life hasn't been fair or pretty to. When they say, wow, this church is full of a bunch of people that were holding dead things in their hands. And look what God did for them, for them, for her. Look what God did for him. Look what, oh my God, he healed you of cancer. Oh my God, he put your marriage back together. Oh my God, you didn't have to go bang. Hey, listen to me. When God gets done with your situation that looks dead and hopeless, there's no telling the witness that it'll be. And there's no telling the ones that are going to walk through those back doors and come to ARC because you troubled the master one more time. Come on, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't close the door, Jairus. But let Jesus in the room and let Jesus heal your situation and if he doesn't heal it and it dies let him resurrect it stand with me all over the house musicians please come this is what I've come to tell somebody today go back and trouble the master one more time say oh but you don't know you don't know the deadness of my situation preacher I may not, but the one who has the power to resurrect it knows exactly what it is. I know, ma'am, that the divorce has caused you to want to give up on life. And it's caused you to turn to alcohol. And it's caused you to turn to websites and relationships online that you ought not to be involved in. But can I tell you, you've walked into the house on a Sunday morning where the master can resurrect the deadness of your situation. No, it may not turn out how you thought it would. But all hope is not lost. Because when the resurrector walks in the room, it's got to come back to life. In Luke chapter 18, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jairus, you're holding your dead daughter in your arms. Surely Jesus doesn't expect me to pray. Jesus understands what I'm carrying. Where do broken hearts go? Men aren't always to pray. Not to faint. So when I've got a dead dilemma in my arms, and I've got a broken heart, and life hasn't ended up the way it was supposed to. Instead of going to Facebook and Instagram. Instead of blowing up the phones and causing division and strife and competition and trouble in the church. If I'll take my broken heart and my dead dilemma to an altar, Pastor Mullins. Because if I don't take it to the place of prayer, then most likely, Brother Les, I'm going to faint. How do I avoid fainting? I take the deadness of my situation. Men are always to pray. 
Jairus, you'll pray one more time. Even though your daughter's dead, Jesus just might walk in the room. And he just might resurrect her. Verse number 2 of Luke 18 saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city. She came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet, because this widow troubleth me. Jairus, why troublest thou the master anymore? Because this widow harasseth me. I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. When's the last time you wearied the master with your dilemma? And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect or his chosen? That's you and I. Which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Could I tell you the length of your dilemma might be part of God testing your level of faith and your persistence. Verse number eight, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? Go back and trouble the master one more time. Jairus, I don't care what you're holding in your hands. Jairus, I don't care the deadness and the, and, the, and the finality of what you're holding in your hands. But he's desiring for somebody to, to trouble. He's desiring for somebody to persistently trouble him about your dilemma one more time. Because he wants to avenge you. And it's not going to be a delayed work. I know Jairus, I know he puts you on pause back here. But if you could trouble the master at an altar one more time he said I'll rise and I'll show up and I'll do it speedily but some of us are content with holding in our hands dead dreams dead promises dead purposes frustrated purposes but Jesus said that's it God move right here on this situation. In your, come on. That's come on. The intensity. The persistence of your troubling might be the very thing that causes.
causes the master to avenge you speedily on your behalf. Come on, he's moving right now. I don't have to finish. As they begin to sing, I'm opening these altars and I wonder, is there anybody that wants to trouble the master one more time? Is there anybody that needs him to avenge you speedily? Come on, as they begin to sing, I want you to come and if you're desperate for God to do a work in your life, He wants to do it on your behalf. I know it's dead, Jairus, but Jesus wants to do it on your behalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You never stop. Come on, if he don't stop, you ought not to stop. But a trouble the master. One more time. Come on. If you're okay with the dead daughter, if you're okay with a dead baby, don't trouble him. But if you want Jesus to resurrect you, trouble the master one more time.